Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am your host, Andrea Pagnosi. I'm also a career empowerment coach who is fiercely dedicated to helping everyone in 2022 get from where they are today professionally toward realizing their true career potential. I hope that you are ready to really talk about a very important subject that may be hitting you right now. We are one quarter down in this year. This is typically the time of the year when your body starts to say, I need a vacation. I need to take some time off, relax. But probably in January, still going to the gym, still focused on that diet. February, probably put business plans in place and you're moving at a good clip. And in March, you're starting to run out of some of that energy. It's starting to, what I like to call, run the engine hot. So you're burning oil, you're burning gas, you're burning whatever energy you can to get things done. And then the world around us is starting to change, starting to get lighter out longer, starting to warm up. We're starting to think about the beach again, and we are not necessarily listening to our bodies and listening to our minds when it says you're running too hot. So we're at a point of reignition when it's time to rejuvenate before we burn out. And we're going to talk about that today because that can be a real issue. And what I'm really excited about is we're going to talk to an expert about that today. I want to welcome my colleague, Melinda Dransfield to the show today. She's the founder of Breakthrough Performance Group. She's a gifted speaker, trainer, and coach. And she helps businesses large and small, including Fortune 500 businesses, enable their hybrid workspaces to beat burnout through raising levels of well-being, through happiness and success. Melinda, welcome to 52 Weeks of Empowerment. Thank you so much, Andrea. I'm just thrilled to be here with you today and to get to talk to you and your audience about this topic that is so important right now in our world. So thank you. Thank you. I know a lot about how you came to this space as an expert. Like so many of us, there are pinnacle points in our lives, experiences that draw us into the profession that we're in. And we realize that's our passion. You had a particularly inspirational breakthrough story about that. Can you share it with my listeners today? Yeah, absolutely. So our pain typically becomes our greatest blessing, our greatest lesson that we have, and really what we feel called to in this world. And this is definitely what happened for me. It was about seven years ago that I started to recognize my work was taking a toll on me in my life. I was a remote worker at the time. I had been promoted into a role where I was working for a Fortune 100 company, and I was actually a remote leader. And so before remote leaders were really a thing, <laughs> I was a remote leader for this, this large company leading a team all over the country. I had definitely stepped in some shoes that were maybe a little bit advanced for where my skill sets were. And in addition to that, I'm a mom of three. I have three kids. My husband's a pilot. He is traveling multiple days a week. I was traveling multiple days a week and I really felt tethered into my desk. I mean, there's an image I like to show where there's a woman who's sitting at her desk with just chain wrapped from her wrist down to her computer. And that's really what I felt like in those moments. I mean, I remember things like going to the bathroom felt like a burden and getting up out of my chair to go get a drink felt like a burden. I had too much to do. I had too much going on. I remember my young son would walk into my room after school and it felt hard to turn my chair around and even acknowledge his presence because I just had this weight on me. I remember taking my work into bed with me at night 
and it was there until 12 o'clock at night, you know, I'd, I'd, you know, fall asleep with my work on me. I'd wake up in the morning before getting the kids up and do some more work really quickly, maybe sleeping five hours a night. I was basically sacrificing all the things that really matter to me in my life. My top two values are family and faith. And those things were really being put on the back burner. That obviously wasn't my goal going into this. My goal wasn't, I wanna be an overworker. Now I will say I've always known I'm an overachiever, probably like many of your listeners, that I have this really strong work ethic and I like to do my best and I'm a little bit of a a people pleaser and I I really like to serve and help and give, but I had no intention of just kind of having my family and the things that matter to me kind of be on on the wayside, including my health. But that's really what happened. And I call this period of my life, the time that I was really tethered to my desk. That's what I call it. And my husband calls it the time that I was chronically unhappy. Now, what I will tell you is seven years ago, burnout wasn't a word that we used a lot. And so I didn't even realize what was happening to me. I just knew I was exhausted and I knew that I was unhappy. And I knew that this couldn't continue for much longer. I think the interesting thing during this period is that this wasn't impacting my work. And I think that's what many of your listeners may say, well, I'm not sure if I'm in burnout because I'm doing great at work. They might be feeling unhappy. They might be exhausted and frustrated and find themselves venting, whining, complaining a lot, but they're like, well, I haven't left the job yet, so I must not be in burnout. No, there's this burnout continuum. It's not just burnout or not burnout. And so that's where I found myself. I was performing well at work. I was getting raises. I was getting promotions and no one knew. That's the alarming thing. At that period in my life, the only one who knew that I was really struggling was my own family. Now, I think the moment you're talking about is the wake up call that I had because there's always an awakening. right? And for me, it was actually walking in and my young son, who's now 17, he was 10 years old at the time and he was down on his knees and he was saying a prayer. And he said, please help my mom to be happy. Mm. And that was it. That was that wake up call that said, this isn't okay because it wasn't just me that was unhappy. It was impacting my children. That's really was that moment that got me to wake up and say, well, what is success anyway? What is success anyway? I'm not sure I'm even on the right path. And so that's that moment, Andrea. That is powerful. And the reason why you and I came colleagues is because I read this story and I said, that was me. To your point, many of the listeners that are hearing our voices right now probably can fully identify. However, there are others that are in that place you just spoke to where they don't even know they're in burnout or headed towards burnout. So how do you identify burnout? So let me give you a definition first, because I think, you know, you might see yourself within this definition. Burnout is exhaustion, frustration, or apathy, not necessarily all three. So exhaustion, frustration, or apathy resulting from long-term cumulative unmanaged stress that negatively impacts your work and your life. I gave you kind of the symptoms and then I gave you the cause. Long-term cumulative unmanaged stress that's negatively impacting your life, your work, or both. It actually comes from, I love the phrase it comes from, which is to burn out, which means to burn until your fuel is exhausted. By the mid 1900s, it metaphorically started to mean to burn oneself out, which means to exhaust one's energy through overworking. Now the World Health Organization, just so you know, it doesn't classify burnout as a disease. It's actually classified as a occupational 
hazard, which I found interesting. And so it's definitely impacting us in our work, but you also see burnout in parents, caregivers, and even activists. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the definition. If you're an individual that is a high performer, mm-hmm. that is somebody who runs on empty by habit, how do you take steps to slow yourself down? What are the first things that you can do to, as you say, all over your website, be well, live happy and thrive? Absolutely. So if you're on this podcast and listening in, you're getting some awareness of am I in burnout? That's always the first step. And I'll just share a few of the questions just to build a little bit more awareness. So because this awareness piece is key. Some of it is, have you accepted that it's normal to be permanently stressed out? Have you accepted that? Another one is, are you constantly tired, but find it hard to take a break? Do you sacrifice a lot to be successful? Your family, your friends, your health, are you sacrificing things to be successful? Does your career consume most of your waking hours, whether physically you're attached to your work or it's just even in your mind, you can't detach mentally. Is it hard to turn your mind off at night? Are you mentally and physically tired throughout the day at the end of the day? Do you feel guilty that you're not as happy as you think you should be? Because here you've built this beautiful life and yet you feel a little unhappy and you start to feel guilty about it. And then another one would be, do you think about changing career paths and just burning it all down? I hear women say, I just want to run away. And then do you feel the Sunday scaries or the Monday morning blues, or maybe the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday blues? So those are, (laughs) yeah, those are some of the questions to think about from an awareness perspective, because awareness is the birthplace of all change. If you're finding yourself in that, what I would say is the next step is to really ask yourself the question I asked myself, what is success anyway? Because there's a mindset, particularly in our Western culture, that we've started to believe that sacrificing your health, your happiness, your energy, your peace, your well-being, that that's the price that you have to pay to be successful. And it's just not true. People are going to blame the pandemic. That didn't help anything. But to your point, this has been going on a while. So how did we get here? This has been going on a really long time. And I really think it comes down when I talked to, I actually studied happiness in India, not in India, but virtually with my friends in India through the pandemic for about a year. And they talk about our culture and how different it is. I mean, they, they have burnout culture too, but really I think a lot of it comes down to this drive we have to just do it and push through the pain. And we've just had this culture that's evolved of hyper achievement and that our achievements, our successes equal happiness. But you get to a certain phase in your life and you go, well, I've achieved all the things. I've won the gold medals. I've gotten the kudos. I got the raises. I got the the house, the car, the family. I, I got all the things. I achieved what I set out to. And I call that the dream life version one. The dream life version two is very different. And so what got us here, you're right. What got us to this point, which is this belief that has become so normalized. I feel like chronic stress and feeling that level of heaviness and stress and exhaustion, it's almost become a normal part of working. I've heard companies, I was talking to a leader last week who said, yeah, we kind of bond over this. We bond over the busy badge of honor and we bond over how exhausted we are. It is literally being from the top down within companies, as much as we talk about burnout, we're not necessarily taking the right steps to solve burnout at an org level, 
a leadership level and an individual level. And yes, it takes all three. And a lot of companies want to bring in a speaker like me. They want to bring me in as a coach. And the first question I ask them is, is this a Band-Aid? Because we have a lot of Band-Aid approaches to burnout and a lot of companies aren't willing to step up and say the problem starts with me as a leader. The problem starts in our culture. The problem starts with the fact that as more and more high achievers leave the organization, everyone left is now taking on all the extra work. And so how do I come in as a coach, someone with all these strategies, which are great, and yet they're doing the work of three people and staying up till midnight because they have too much on their plates. And so when we look at where the responsibility lies, it's on three levels, organizational, and in fact, above that cultural, but then in each of the organization, and then there's the leadership component of this, which is huge. And then there is, what can I do? What can I do? And I think that's where I know you want to take the conversation as well as you can't necessarily solve for what your organization or leader is doing, but I promise you that there's some things you can solve for yourself. You struck a chord right there because my personal story, and I was almost had a stroke at a previous company. My blood pressure was exorbitantly high. I had to take, had to take, listen, even my verbiage, I had to take, I felt like I was being forced to take time off. Right. And I said, no, you know, to myself, I said, this isn't going to change. So I'm going to have to be the catalyst of change. Well, it's, it's not surprising. This is, this is what I hear. You're definitely not alone in that. I hear a lot of people, I, I find what we sacrifice is sometimes it's our, our family relationships. Sometimes it's our health. Sometimes it's our faith. Sometimes it's our spouse, our kids, right? There's lots of things we sacrifice, sometimes all of them. And it sounds like what you did was you, you were able to say, no, this is what really matters to me and advocate for your needs. And that's really one of the, the top things that I recommend. So you do a talk with organizations that talks about burnout proofing your career. Mm -hmm. I want to get to that in a second, but I also want to pivot for just a second. I was in the throes in my career when I realized what was happening. I had a two-year-old son at home that I wanted to see grow up. So I took steps. Is it possible to salvage your career while you're in the throes of burnout? Absolutely. It definitely is. And I think it's really going to come down to the principle that I'm going to talk about first, which is the integration of well-being into the way that we live, lead, work, and play. A lot of times we put well-being on the back burner and taking care of ourselves. And I'm saying that it's actually like a leadership mandate. It's a, it's a must have that we have to integrate it into the, the very fiber of our businesses. It's not a benefit. You know, they like to stick it over there on the benefit silo. It's not a benefit that we want to discuss. What it is, is we got to integrate it. And that happens on an individual and leadership level. What I find is you can absolutely salvage your career. And I actually recommend my clients, please do not leave your job if you are in burnout. Don't run away and burn down every single thing you've worked this hard to create in your life. There's an ability to have a yes and approach. There's an ability to make the subtle shifts you need to make to ask for what you need to, like I said, integrate the well-being so that you're able to keep your career intact and in place. Now you may need to do some things differently. I'm going to recommend that you hire a coach, that you talk about things because burnout definitely thrives in silence. <laughs> and so we can talk about some strategies, but absolutely, this is definitely the work that I like to do with clients and organizations. And sometimes with organizations, I like to say I'm the stay coach because I'm gonna convince your people to stay 
and figure this out exactly where they are because you're not gonna make the best choice for your life and your career when you're in burnout. I like to get you to a better state of mind before you raise your hand and say, I'm gonna go to this other company or do something else because it's gonna be better. But what I say is I've had clients leave in burnout and you know what? They take the burnout with them. It might be better for six months, it might be better for a year, but they're always calling me again to say, you're right, it wasn't the job. Because a lot of the burnout you have to recognize is coming from these ingrained mindsets that we have. And if we don't shift our mindset, if we don't shift our thoughts and our beliefs and our behaviors, you're not gonna get a different outcome. Very well put. You speak to principles of resilience. Mm -hmm. Let's go through those now. Awesome. So again, the first one that I talked about, and this was the biggest shift that I made, is that we have to integrate well-being into the way we live, lead, work, and play. And for me, it comes down to this principle that I am the chief well-being officer of my own life. We've heard about the rise of the chief well-being officer. And what I say is that each of us are the chief well-being officer of our lives. And this is really critical because every day we have a choice. It's up to me. And we can't leave our well-being up to chance. We can't just keep putting it off. We can't use hope as a strategy and hope this is just all going to go away. When we're the chief well-being officer, what it implies is that we have to take a little bit of ownership for our well-being every single day. As the chief well-being officer, I like to say that energy is your most precious resource, human energy. Your energy is your most precious resource and you are 100% responsible for generating, maintaining and optimizing your energy. Our energy is limited and it runs out. And so when you think about burnout and even when you think about languishing, which is another hot term, that's an energy crisis that's happening in our world because the number one thing was exhaustion. And so these are energy crisis in nature. We have to be responsible for this energy. This, the way that we are responsible for it is recognizing that there's six dimensions of our energy. There's the physical, how do I fuel myself? How am I moving my body? Am I sleeping, drinking my water? Those things are simple, that's the baseline of it. But there's also your emotional well-being. That's the quality of your energy, how negative or positive the mental well-being, the focus of your energy, so critical in our work, our spiritual, which is really key to burnout, which is how aligned am I to my purpose, my mission, and my values, the social, which is really critical to longevity and health, which is how connected and supported do I feel, and then environmental factors, things like getting out in nature and the digital impact, that 24-7 hyper-connected world that we live in. One of the things I do with organizations and clients is to really look at those six dimensions and think about how are these areas either boosting my well-being or blocking my well-being, getting everyone to kind of recognize where are the blocks for you, where are the blocks to your well-being and then starting to take baby steps in each of those directions. In addition, here's the big one here. On a daily basis, the way that we really make time for our well-being is to integrate what I call renewal breaks throughout the workday. As a Western culture, we've been taught, we talked about this, that we wake up, we go, 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 go all day long and then we drop. Right. That mindset has to shift. We actually need to work in alignment with some of the natural rhythms of our body. There's one called the basic rest activity cycle. And that means that you're oscillating between work and recovery, work and recovery, work and recovery all day long. You're integrating these renewal breaks 
into the way that you work and into the way that you live, lead and play. And renewal, the definition I use is the intentional relief of stress and the recovery of your energy. So instead of pushing through, my recommendation is that every 60 to 90 minutes, you take a one to two minute short break. Meaning, remember how I told you I was tethered to my desk? Mm -hmm. That's absolutely gonna lead to burnout. And so taking a short break, and how I take those breaks is in one of these six dimensions. I take a moment, I do something, it's actually called the micro reset. And I, I just take a moment, and I pause and take three deep breaths. And then I ask myself, what do I need right now to reset my energy? And I love you that. So simple. Exactly. I don't know what you need. I'm not going to give you a, a prescription right now, but you got to check in with yourself. If you're present in that moment, you take your breaths and we know how powerful our breath is. And then you ask yourself, what do I need right now to reset? And you go and do it and you take a short renewal break. So the three steps is relax. So pause and take three deep breaths. Number one. Number two, reassess, what do I need right now to reset? And then the third step is renew. Take a short renewal break. Like I said, typically it's gonna fall in one of those six dimensions. And so that's how you start to integrate it. I usually take those short breaks every 60 to 90 minutes. I recommend, please, please, please take a lunch break. Mm -hmm. I know so many people just push through and then they wonder why they're so exhausted at three o'clock. And they wonder why at four o'clock they go raid their pantry and eat a thousand calories in one sitting, right? And they wonder why at six o'clock they're so exhausted and wanting to get in bed and pull the covers over their head. And it's because they're not fueling their body. They're right. not fueling their body with water and nutritious food throughout the day. They just push through. That's key. And it's something that comes up with a lot of my clients as well is that they formed bad eating habits when they were working remotely. They mm -hmm. found that they were just pushing through the lunch break by ordering something to be delivered to the house, pizza, or they'll eat empty calories and then they sit. So it's not like they're getting up and moving after eating a high carb meal. So that's huge point. Yeah. Our energy, like I said, it's, it's sourced from these different dimensions. It's generated from them. It's expended through them. And so we just have to constantly be checking in with ourselves. What do I need now? And making time for these short breaks. They don't take a lot of time. But the quote I like to say is that when you care for your energy throughout the day, at night, you have energy left for who and what matters most. That's excellent. Including yourself. That's the key strategy. I can go into a couple of others if we have time. Absolutely. Before we move to that, I wanted to ask, do you see a dichotomy in your organizations where women and men approach burnout differently? Are these activities easy for both men and women to adopt? Absolutely. Yeah, this is the work. Some of the stuff I'm just talking about in this first strategy, there's a field of work called human performance. And I actually had the privilege of studying with Johnson and Johnson's Human Performance Institute under Dr. Jim Lair and Jack Grapple. And they are pioneers in this field. And these are strategies that they recommend and that are utilized by top athletes in every field of sports, musicians, C-suite. And they have been doing this work for 30 years. This integration, this taking care of our energy throughout the day. This is a lot of the body of work from the field of human performance and human potential. I have seen it adopted in organizations 
and it's best obviously when adopted from the top down. Some of these well-being principles actually get integrated into our meetings. There's a company I met with last week that starts their meetings at 12.05. If it's a 12 o'clock meeting, it starts at 12.05. It always starts five minutes after the hour. And the reason why is it gives their people that opportunity to build in micro recovery breaks. If it's a 12 o'clock meeting, it goes from 12.05 until about 12.50. So about a 45 minute meeting. That's a really great way. It's a really simple strategy, but it has to happen at an org level sometimes. Your human energy is really your human potential, which is really the value of employees at work. <laughs> it improves the productivity as well. Like there's a lot of data and science about the improvement to engagement, happiness, productivity at work when we just take care of our energy in a more intentional way. Tell us a little bit more about the principles of resilience and how they can be played out for people who are suffering from burnout. Another one, because of my experience, is I call it untether from your work. <laughs> this is really just, we're all really busy and I get that, but we have to take moments to really disconnect from our work. A lot of people I work with say, yeah, that's not as easy as it seems because I always have my phone with me and I'm always getting the text messages, the emails, we have WhatsApp, we have Slack, things are always coming at us. And so we have to think about number one, are there points in our day and definitely on our weekends and for sure on our vacations where we can untether from our work? We do it in micro ways, which I talked about, but also in longer chunks of time. And we really want to think about how do I disengage in a way where I'm not thinking or worried about my work as well? and then also disconnecting from the device itself. Really important. A lot of my clients say, I really have a hard time doing that. What I believe is happening is there's these six human needs that we have. And sometimes we believe that just because I'm disconnected from my work, we kind of feel guilted into, well, I should probably go do the dishes right now, or I should probably go cook dinner for my family, or I should probably go spend an hour with the kids right now. You know what? Sometimes you have to do those things. But again, it comes down to kind of recognizing what do I need right now? When you do have a moment that's all yours, where the time is all yours, you really need to check in with yourself and say, what human need do I need to honor right now? Because it might not be the most obvious one, the most, the thing that you think you have to do. The six are the autonomy, which is, it could be as simple as, I just need a shower by myself, or I need to, to go be alone for a little bit. Autonomy is actually a human need that a lot of us as women really struggle to give any time for, but it's super important. Security. So sometimes it may be that you need to put in the extra work. It may be that if you ask yourself that question, what do I need right now? It's we actually need to put about 15 more minutes in right now, because then you'll be free to disconnect fully for the rest of the evening. Another one would be your health. You need to go eat a snack right now. Another one would be relationships. Right now, it's important that you connect with your husband on a one-to-one -one level in this moment. Another one is your hobbies, hiking, painting, gardening, decorating. Those things are important. The things that we love to do, the things that bring us joy, and then purpose. Things like service, church, community, your family, your cause. And so again, it's this question that we don't ask ourselves enough, which is, what do I need right now? I think that the, the real challenge isn't that we don't take time off, but sometimes we take time off and we're just on our phone scrolling. We're doing mindless things like Netflix, which can be great. If that's what you need, that's what you need. But a lot of times if we're just take a moment to pause and think, what do I really need right now to be able to take care of myself? You're probably gonna find the answer in one of those six areas. 
that's the the next strategy I recommend for my clients is really being intentional about the time where you do un untether from your work. These are great tips and tricks. And I think if we're trying to start a trend in 2022, we're trying to start a, a me trend, put yourself first, get away from the desk, untether and put boundaries up. There's got to be some sort of a deal you can make with yourself to put the phone down and just take those breaths you talked about before. I don't even remember a time during the workday when I, in a corporate setting, time to breathe at times, just a meditation, just a regrouping, a reset. These are sage words that I wish somebody had said to me 20 years ago. A lot of time lost. So yeah, sometimes you have to do it on the fly. I remember when I was working with Prudential, I was in the office on these really long days. I would just spend a few extra moments in the bathroom and I would wash my hands. So I remember like they had hot water in the bathroom and I loved it. And I would literally wash my hands. This was pre-COVID. I was just really good at washing hands for like two minutes and just allowing myself to enjoy the washing of my hands, right? That's a mindful moment that you can always make space for. It's just, we have to sometimes just be a little bit more intentional. Intentional is the word of the day. I find that that is something that we don't do enough of. We have everybody else's intentions at the forethought of our mind in a corporate setting, not always our own. So that is key. As we wrap things up today, I want to thank you so much for bringing this self-awareness to light. It is so powerful. And at this time of the year, this is when things start to, to burn, the engines start to burn. I'd love for you to share with my listeners two or three pearls to start building better habits towards self-awareness and avoiding burnout. Some of the things that we've already talked about, which is really prioritizing your well-being, really putting on that oxygen mask first. That's something we always talk about. My husband's a pilot. We, we hear that announcement. And yet I know me as a mom, I'm still probably going to try and put on my kids' oxygen mask first. We have to really prioritize our well-being and make it a leadership mandate. Good leaders take care of their well-being and the well-being of their team members. That's a good leader first and foremost, particularly in times like today. Another little quick one would be that when you are at work, give yourself 100% permission to be at work. And when you're at home, give yourself permission to be 100% at home. So be present where your feet are. Be present where your feet are. This is so important. If we can just do that, because a lot of the issues with burnout is we're at work and we're feeling guilty that we're not doing more for maybe our families or for our health. And then when we're at home, we're feeling guilty and thinking, oh, I need to be taking care of everything that's going on at work. And so we're never actually just present and enjoying the moment that we're in. And those types of thoughts are what lead to the burnout. They drain all of your mental energy and capacity. And so I think to wrap it up, it would be just be present where your feet are and allow yourself that grace and empathy that the work that you have will be there when you come back. And as far as your family, remember this, that it's not about your time. It's about your energy. This one's key for women because we feel all the guilt and the shame and also for men. I have my dads out there who feel really guilty and ashamed that they're working so much right now. Here's the thing. It's not about time. It's about your presence and your energy. And so what I would encourage you to think about is if you only have 10 minutes 
for your family, if that's your top value, if that's what matters most to you, can you be all in in those 10 minutes? Give yourself permission to be all in, put your phone away, be completely engaged, be on the floor with the kids and just be present and enjoy that. And don't feel the guilt and shame that you got to run back to your desk. Excellent words of wisdom because as a fellow parent, I completely support what you just said. So important. They're only young ones. So tell us how people who are prospective clients of yours can get in touch with you. Thank you so much, Andrea, for inviting me to spend time with you and your listeners today. The best way to get up with me is really to, you can visit my website, melindadransfield.com, and you can email me if you want to chat. I'm always open to a conversation. If you want to talk about, am I really in burnout or not? (laughs) Or if you have any questions about some of the things that we discussed briefly today, feel free to set up some time with me on my calendar. You can email me, melinda at melindadransfield.com. And I'd love to, to talk with any of you more about this topic of burnout, but also how you can just be well, live happy and thrive at work and at home. Highly recommend anybody who are feeling any of the things that Melinda talked so eloquently about today, and they're starting to recognize and have that self-awareness before it's too late, give Melinda a call. She will help you out. That's all the time we have for this week. It's been absolutely a pleasure. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place, more power.